0: This is the Debbie Debbie Royale Royale. with your hosts, Kevin Kevin Coleman, Coleman, Jeff Bell, Bell,
1: and and Christian Christian Williams. Williams. what is up everybody welcome to another episode of the debbie roy yeah we're back at it and we are it's exciting time right now called football we are going to be talking about 2024 running backs in a little bit but we're going to dive right into conference shakeups and we've had some big news the last week and we've all been talking about it but even i think it's been such a crazy week an hour ago we had some other big news dropping our on the timeline and so this thing is going to be ever flowing this is jeff's favorite topic i've never seen jeff Get so excited as a middle-aged man over conference realignment. But here we are. Uh, So let's start with the first one. The Big Ten added USC and UCLA. Effective in 2024. So it's coming. What is your take as a Big Ten aficionado, Jeff, about this move? I
2: mean, they had to. They had to make this move with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Everybody was kind of watching the Big Ten. How are they going to counter it? It, You know, through all of this, it's kind of been the SEC clearly is on top, and then the Big Ten has kind of been viewed as the second conference. And so if they didn't have a counter to this SEC movement, what would have happened? And, and where we have been in a place that, you know, would Ohio state have started to talk about leaving. If the big 10 wasn't able to have a great counter, would Michigan follow them? Now they have tech, they have USC and UCLA. in, and that those were probably outside of the, the teams in the ACC who are kind of, bound up right now due to two constructual agreements Um, those were the two biggest teams that they possibly could have landed and so bringing them in and opening up that demographic really hitting into los angeles and so much of the the talk around all of this expansion is tv based and getting into new markets and so bringing the big 10 over to the west coast over to los angeles and we know that when usc is humming USC Los Angeles gets behind them like no other. And so we haven't seen that for a couple of years, but now that Lincoln Riley's there, they're in position there. And now the big 10 is positioned great to grab onto that momentum and really kind of make them the team in the uh, big 10 West.
0: Yeah. So everything is very crazy and I'm still trying to kind of find takes on it because, so the first thing I, I want to tackle is why ucla over programs that have actually been more successful like like oregon or washington washington has made a college football playoff i I think people tend to forget that because the program's been down Um, but i think wasn't it the first or second year that washington snuck into the the college football playoff am i making that up
2: they did they played alabama it was when john ross was there
0: right and so you look at those two programs and the news came out that they were you know considering the Big Ten is kind of just holding at this point because there is the report that they're looking to add more teams and it's kind of we were headed for a two conference league in college football and then the other news that we will get into in a second that kind of took everyone uh, maybe not by surprise but it's kind of thrown a wrench into just the the two conference talk but I'm kind of shocked that UCLA was the first one to go. USC makes a ton of sense. I think that, you know, the the history of that program actually fits pretty well with what the Big Ten is trying to do. And like Jeff said, it, it's all about money. It, everything is about money and how they can maximize their, you know, viewership and, uh, you know, their TV deals. i believe this is going to put the Big Ten on par with what the SEC is getting on a per-team basis, which is a good thing. And I think both of those numbers, I, I think I heard the other day, both of those numbers are double what the ACC is getting for their TV deal. Which, by the way, like you mentioned, their TV deal runs through 2036. They have 14 more years before that expires. So this is, I mean, this is the change that we talked about last summer that we couldn't stop talking about. It happened, and it happened very quickly. Um, I, you know, I don't know where exactly we want to take this, but Kevin, what are your thoughts here?
1: Well, I will I do know the answer about the UCLA thing is is the is the the Big Ten wants schools in the AAU, which is basically the American Association of American University for Research Universities. Like that is their like number one thing. And I know that the cover three podcast talked about that too. That like that's the number one right now. If it doesn't have that, if a university isn't that, it's not going to the Big Ten as as of now. And the other big fish out there is Notre Dame that they wanted to add to there because of that AAU and that kind of area there. So I know UCLA is part of that. I feel like USC and US UCLA is kind of a package deal. I feel like those presidents probably were like, "Hey." We're going to do this. We're going to do this together. Travel wise. I think it can make sense. I even saw something for travel where they're thinking about doing neutral game sites. So they'll travel to like Chicago and play Rutgers and Penn State. there, like the, you know, different sports, stuff like that. Like, so they're going to get creative on this. But to Jeff's credit, I do think that we have to look at like, hey, they had to do this to make themselves more relevant. It does leave Oregon in a shitty spot, and it does leave these other schools out here because there's only the Mountain West. Like, that's it. That's all you're going to join out here unless they form something else. We have the Big 12, which we'll talk about, but still, like, there's nothing on the West Coast, and I think that's a big hit. But this is the Pac-12's fault. You know, Larry Scott ruined this conference and he did it for a long time. The Pac-12 network was a failure. Everything else was there was a failure and the Pac-12 made their own bed. And this is what they, this is what they did to themselves. Even when they did the expansion, remember they started the expansion. Remember Utah and all those schools that they kind of came over. Like they, they ruined it. They did not have the foresight and surprisingly the big 10 does, which surprises the hell out of me because the big 10 commissioner is an idiot.
2: He he is he absolutely isn't you know we we don't really have great things to say about Kevin Warren um I think <laughs> you know Oregon yeah Oregon sitting it there in the lurch and I don't mean, know we kind of talked about it pre-show but the ceiling on UCLA I think as a package especially with USC is just a different place than Oregon you know Oregon's got everything tied in with Nike but um, you know kind of. God forbid, Phil Knight passes away. What happens to the University of Oregon? Do they have that funding through Nike? Do they have those relationships anymore? Or are they kind of fade to the back burner and, you know, they where they were for decades before they really kind of took off in the 2000s. So, and the other thing too, Kevin hit on it perfectly, the travel. So when you've got USC and UCLA, you can bring out, especially in the non-football sports, you can bring out, michigan and ohio state in package and one can play usc one day and one ucla next and flip-flop like that and i think that that was probably a big part of it but it was also not wanting to leave without your rival you mentioned notre dame and that's the one that we're really kind of sitting waiting on what's going to happen with notre dame because the big 10 and notre dame have kind of done this dance around each other for really decades now at this point and you know, Notre Dame went with the ACC in 2020 when we had that COVID year. And I think that that kind of hurts some feelings with the Big Ten. But now USC is obviously one of the biggest historic rivals for Notre Dame. And I think the other thing to, to bear, monitor and see what's going to happen. Kevin also hit a great point on the AAU. And, and there's two other great prestigious organizations sitting out in California between Stanford and Cal. And where are they going to end up? Because they kind of seem like they'd be good foils for the Big Ten as well. Now that they've gotten UCLA and USC, Stanford is another traditional rival for Notre Dame. So kind of Notre Dame is is so heavy on that tradition, playing those rivals. And and they, we know Michigan is one. We know Purdue is one. So adding USC, if they were to able to add Stanford, then you start to build, okay, Notre Dame, you can play your traditional schedule within the constructs of this conference that we've building around you and and i wonder if that makes it more appealing to them
0: yeah and the other part with notre dame is i mean you mentioned they went with the acc during the covid year but they also committed to continuing to to play the acc and so i think that that matters because the acc is in a really weird spot i don't know if you guys want to just dive into that part next yeah so, let's
1: go to acc let's talk about so, it. so
0: so I mentioned that the, the TV deal runs through 2036 and I've been trying to do some research to find out if teams can just say, you know, screw it, we're, we're going to leave anyway. And really it, it's tough. They they signed over their rights for that TV deal, including Clemson, Miami, all of these teams that are reportedly heading to the SEC, they signed over their rights to the ACC. However, if you start to look at w- you know, I mentioned that the ACC is getting about half of what the SEC gets on a per school basis. Some of these schools could say, you know what, if they want to fine us, if they want to sue us, it doesn't matter because we're rolling in, in money at this point, we can fight it, we can just push out the litigation. And so I'm very, very curious to see what ACC team falls first. I think it will fall. Um, because I do, you know, I do think we're still headed towards two super conferences with all the really good teams, and then the Big 12, which again we'll talk about that in a second. But the ACC is in a really, really weird spot because they are so locked in singularly compared to, you know, some of those other schools that we're talking about. And the the caveat here is that Notre Dame is tied in with them, and so it, it's very, very tricky. I'm very, I think Notre Dame is going to be the first one to fall of the. ACC schools even though they do still have football independence they are committed to playing ACC teams in all their other sports and that's where I think it gets a little a little murky
1: so the biggest thing about the ACC that I think it comes down to I think the SEC the SEC wants Clemson right like does the SEC want any other school in the ACC Miami Florida State maybe
2: they would Probably take Florida State, I would imagine, but Clemson's probably the one that they really want. And I've, you know, I've contended that Miami makes more sense for the Big Ten than for the ACC. Mm. And I know geographically people would push back on that, but that's another. I believe they're in the AAU. I'd be surprised if they were not, because I know that that's a university that has stressed academics in their yeah. profile. And and we know, you know, Ohio State, Michigan would absolutely love to go down to. Miami or even Georgia tech might be another team that go down to Atlanta, Georgia and play games annually and sit there in that recruiting ground. And, and I think that they would love to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we're under, we're out of the geography as Rutgers goes and plays USC next year in a couple of years, like at a certain point, I mean, it's over now. It's about money and that's how they're going to do it. I, I would, I do want to bring up the point and I don't know how we saw it right at the PAC 12 network kind of talked about it where there could be a loose partnership with the ACC with Pac-12. So the remaining 10 teams in the Pac-12 would form a 10 team division to play against the ACC champion in the, like a kind of a dual championship in Las Vegas. It's crazy right now in terms of like what's going on in college football. I don't know how that's feasible. I think the Pac-12 is done. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to be what we think it's going to be. Like I, I think it's done without USC, right? And Oregon's the only thing keeping that thing afloat. And once, and, but in reality, what does Oregon really want? Like I know people like Oregon, but Oregon still hasn't won a national title. I mean, what are what are we talking about with Oregon? And, and me and Jeff were jo- joking before the show. He said, you know, Jeff asked me, "What is Oregon without Phil Knight?" I said, "Oregon State." And if you've watched Oregon State, they're not really, you know, like these are middling of the road teams. No one really is going to go out there and play. Um, and th- to the to the Pac twelve thing, Big Twelve is looking to add now, so they're thinking, hey, let's go add now. So the Big Twelve is thinking of adding Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. They left out Oregon and Washington because I don't think Oregon and Washington want to go to those to the Big 12. So does, does the Big 12 look better if they have Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah?
2: I mean, it's not a power conference. It looks better in terms of they have more teams, I guess, in that regard, and they've got a bigger footprint for the conference. It moves them into... It kind of gives them a, that extra layer of stability, but at the same time, that sets them up as what are you headlined by or Oklahoma state? I mean, Baylor TCU, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it feels very much like it's, you know, what conference USA plus, I mean, that's kind of what it is. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I, I think you bring up a good point too. I, so I think it is, that would be your, your lower, lower level division one. Uh, it is interesting when, uh, when does Cincinnati in that group, start with the big 12 because that was so, 2023 25 oh so it's still a ways away so
2: i'm going be wrong there
0: yeah so i know that like that so, is impacting 2023 next next summer
1: july 1st 2023 they're they're rolling in
0: okay so there there's where i think the big 12 has an argument um so if the big 12 and the pack 12 kind of merge in the way that they've kind of talked about maybe not maybe the remaining Pac-12 schools go elsewhere and then they kind of do some non-conference scheduling against ACC opponents i think that you can make an argument that they the winner of the Big 12 then could make the playoffs and i think that that's what we're looking at right now with the current construct of the playoffs is I, Does anyone in this conference have a shot and Mm -hmm. I think you look at Cincinnati making it last year you look at you know some of the like Oregon State had a good year last year Um, You know, I think that I can see a world in which one could sneak in However, that would be on the backs of all of these other teams just beating the crap out of each other throughout the year I heard someone talking about it. I think in five years we're going to be looking at a four loss national champion Because of the way that things are constructed, so I'm it. It all really falls on what the ACC and the Big Twelve do, though, because I I think it'd be really really tough to look at what those two conferences have been and say, well, we can't put them in because they didn't play in this really difficult uh, conference. On the other side of things, like you're gonna have probably eight playoff worthy teams coming from the Big Ten and the SEC, so it's just it's it's mayhem.
2: Well, can we just can we just like call a timeout and stop and get a grown-up in the room and just shovel off Miami, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, put them somewhere. And then, okay, you take the remnants of that. You take the remnants of the Big 12, and you take the remnants of the Pac-12. And then you look at Indiana. You look at Rutgers. You look at Vanderbilt and say, you guys don't get a free pass just because you happened to be in the right room 85 years ago. And let's create a real relegation system because that's really what it should be. And, you know, if we get it down to 18, 20 teams in the the top division and they can have playoffs within each other. And, yes, maybe you'll get to a four loss champion after they play 16, 17, 18 games. But do that, have two conferences, almost, you know, you could call them the AFC and the NFC if you wanted to. Then you could play one game at the end of the year. You could even call it the Super Bowl, and it could be that's that's it. You know that it's not that complicated. We have a structure for this. We have English soccer that has relegation in place. Indiana University or Vanderbilt University should not get a free pass to cash four times checks what Oregon is cashing just because they happen to be in the right boardroom and have the right friend and just. Create a relegation system. The bottom three or four move out and the top four, whatever, move in. And you can kind of work within these structures. And, you know, you'll probably have a big section of, of Division One that let's stop pretending that Ohio University and Miami University and the MAC can actually win the same national championship that Alabama can win and put them in a somewhere where they actually belong and let those kids actually play for something. And just stop. But, you know, this is where you need to end up. It's that. I am I am grateful and, and thankful that Kevin Warren has had this much foresight to get to even this point because uh, that's way more credit than I gave him. But at the same time, it, there just needs to be some governing body. You know, we could call it even the NCAA, whatever it might be, that could be the adult in the room and actually do something and actually set up a system that can work for the next future because the way that things are moving so fast, it's – I. We have supposedly some of the smartest minds in America involved in this. And I don't know if the smartest minds in America says anything right now anyways, but we've got universities (laughs) that we are sending all our future children to, to learn. And yet I still don't have the faith that the people in charge actually are able to deliver what we can sit here and talk and we can talk in five minutes and come up with the perfect solution.
1: Well, that's because of politics. Like when you're thinking of like college football, I know, but you know how it is like, but to your credit, Vanderbilt is trash. Like I've done the manifesto for Vanderbilt all off season. And I look at their roster and I'm just like, what would Vanderbilt go in the PAC 12 four and eight? maybe lucky lucky maybe. yeah like are, are they better than arizona because i don't think they are i think arizona would be a vanderbilt like in arizona is probably one of the worst teams in the pack 12 and so like w- what we really do need yeah we need we need dad to come in the room and say okay here's what we're doing this is how it goes but we need a college football czar like that's what we need but we don't have that we have well yeah jeff bell <laughs> will nominate <laughs> you know, um let's see any other points before we get into the running backs i i think you know I it's going to be crazy. I don't know what it's all going to look like by 2025, but I do think that there's going to be two super conferences. Are we all kind of in agreement? There's going to be two big ones. It's big 10 and eight sec.
0: Yeah. So I, I think there's the two big super conferences and then you're like lower level division one right there would be ACC and big 12. But then that again, like Jeff said, Ohio university, the, the Mac, you know, all of those, like, lower level schools that's your division two at that point like you, you, we need some major major restructure so um by 2025 i don't know if all of this is all completed by 2025 and i feel like this is going to be a recurring discussion on this show over the next two years if you know we're still doing the show in two years which we should be because it's a great show
2: we have fun. Well, if- if there's no expansion of the playoff, you're going to get to a point where if we only have four teams making the playoff, you're going to have a three loss Big Ten or SEC team make it over a one loss ACC team. And and they're going to get real mad when that happens. And I think that that's if nothing else changes beyond this point, that will be the catalyst you're going to start to have or you're going to have an undefeated Cincinnati or whoever it might be versus a three loss just lost in the SEC championship game Alabama whoever might be going in over them and that's when you really start to see rubber meet the road and change happen if it doesn't I, happen already
1: I would love to see and we'll move on and this is a crazy idea I just thought of in my head but I would love to see like if you have two super conferences they get four bids for the playoff and then you have those kind of ACC like we said if they're still around then they get like maybe three bids and in those lower level division two we're talking about maybe they have a playoff themselves and the champion gets to go be like the eight seed And then you say, okay, well, you still could play for something to get to go do it, get in the big show and see. And then I don't know how it would work, but college football is not going to be the same. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a sad day.
0: Yeah. Really quick on that, that idea. I mean, really what that would do is that then your, your prize for winning the lower level championship would be you get the TV revenue from the playoff game, like boom it doesn't matter if you have no shot like at least you get the revenue right it's all about money
2: but that's you know you you talk about college football i don't know once we kind of entered the playoff era college football was never the same and really once we got started getting into expansion i talked about when um, texas a&m really lost broke with texas and right in that window you had nebraska breaking with oklahoma you had missouri and kansas and You know, you had West Virginia Pitt, these games breaking up and um, you you might laugh at like West Virginia and Pitt, but to two schools, to two areas of the country, that game meant a lot. And so now, like when you watch rivalry weekend, it it really is dead and you've got Ohio State, Michigan, you've got the Iron Bowl and you got what else? Florida, Florida State. I mean, it it just doesn't have the the luster that it, it used to have. Now, under this system, if you start to free up a little bit or you start to get a little bit of movement, we might get that back a little bit. So it, it's almost yeah. like we might it might feel more like college football. And and what's really going to die is probably the bowls. But that really depends on how big the playoff is, because ESPN still going to want to have those bowl games and still have that programming. So I, I kind of yes, it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. But at the same time, I think that there are individual elements that might have been lost that we're going to be able to get back. And it's still going to feel like college football. You're still going to have Ohio State still going to hate Michigan. I mean, it, you're still <laughs> going to have those things
1: regardless of what happens. I don't like change, Jeff. I'm not a big change guy. A, yeah. you know. All right. Let's move on. Let's go to the 24 running backs. Uh, We're going to be talking about five top our top five guys, and then, like always, we'll talk too much, and we'll talk about some guys that we like because we can't shut up about that. Um, We're going to start with, you know, running back one, Travion Henderson, Ohio State. Last year, we saw him at 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, on only 183 carries, so he averaged about six yards a carry. Uh, But he also had 27 receptions, 312 yards. He's our consensus running back one in the class. I mean, he's my consensus running back one in college football, Um, and this is coming from a you know a guy that hates ohio state but i think he's my favorite god that just made me throw up my mouth he is my favorite player in college football like he is one of my top guys i love watching him play like he's that good um of a runner Jeff gets to see him every day and every weekend you know when he's watching ohio state when he doesn't have to deal with his three kids what do you like about travion
2: it's the explosiveness his uh ability in within the box in a short area to make you miss and still continue to um go on beyond that uh, we see you, you know obviously the explosive play on the swing swing pass there if there's one thing that i would like to see that i'm not sure we're gonna see i would really like to see development in the past game used him downfield as a weapon i think that that's probably the one thing that we haven't really seen in potentially in in his arsenal and answering that question would be the one that i have remaining but yeah again it's just the explosive the uh ability to um, switch directions and then get upfield quickly just like we saw right there and so those are the things that i really love to see
0: yeah he's very good uh that's <laughs> i mean he he's good and the craziest part to me is he still has room to grow i think when he's uh you know when he's taking a handoff off if uh, stroud's under center i think that his footwork gets a little bit clunky And it doesn't matter because he's so freaking explosive but it will matter when he gets to the nfl level so those are things that the the ohio state coaches are going to be fixing this year i think he's got the ability to do it it's just i think he's still trying to process what his blocks are doing and that's he's a freshman he's a true freshman so that that should be expected so uh but when you see him in space i mean the fast and the most athletic running back i think in college football if you combine also you know the the skill that he does possess just a, an incredible incredible talent i think he's actually uh, he's better than Bajan robinson robinson who we talked about as the consensus one for the 2023 class i think that he has the potential to be a top five nfl draft pick and i know that sounds crazy with what running backs are but it, he's that good and so i'm excited to see how they use him this year because i know there's been a little bit of rumbling that Evan Pryor is going to get on the field a little bit more. I just don't see a world in which they take Trevion off the field at all they shouldn't i i love i I like mine Williams. I think he's good. he shouldn't be on the field. Just give Trevion four hundred touches but they're gonna I be love seeing a lot of games sixty three to
1: nothing yeah oh. they're going to be yeah so he he's going to have two hundred yards in the first half, and then my my c two c team's going to struggle. but I think you know when I watch him. God, his change of direction but not losing speed is something I haven't seen in a in a runner. At I I don't think I have. Like I've watched I've watched him plenty, um, and when you watch him do that, like his his ability to kind of make guys miss, but he never loses top end speed, and he just gets faster. And that I think is like what separates him. And I do think that it will help him that Ohio state's going to beat Rutgers by 70 and all these teams. Cause he's not going to get the usage. Like he's not going to get wear and tear because he's just going to be there. He does a great job of of keeping his body safe and he gets out of bounds. He goes down when he needs to, like, there's, there's little things that he's going to do to be able to stay healthy, but gosh, I don't, He's clearly a tier above everybody else in this class, and I, and I think he's in he's a running back one in college football. Like, and and this is where it always comes down to I get asked this question all the time, so I'll address it now. Who do you take in a Debbie draft, Travion or Bijan? It's up to you in terms of when you want the production. If you want Bijan right now, okay, I understand it, but I would take Travion and I would just have him on my roster, and I can find production in other places because I think he's going to be that special. Like, it would shock me not to see Travion drafted. Higher than Bijan Robinson in the NFL draft I would I'd be shocked
0: Yeah, it would shock me that if Travion doesn't finish as the overall RB1 in in dynasty for many many years I, I think he could he could I mean we look at what Chris McCaffrey was I don't think he's that level of pass catcher I think that he has the, the ability to be extremely efficient with his his receptions and so His fantasy ceiling is just massive too. It's it's insane
1: all right, let's go to running back two, which is these guys is running back two, not mine. Uh, but it's all right, Braylon Allen. From Wisconsin, 186 attempts. He came out last year as kind of a hybrid linebacker safety. Had to jump in because Jalen Berger is a is a dumb dumb, and he jumped in. He played really well. Six two two thirty eight, 186 attempts. Like I said, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think the one knock for Allen is he doesn't have the receptions. He doesn't have the passing work. I mean, Wisconsin's not going to do that anyway. But eight eight catches, 39 yards. So we didn't see that. Plus, he was 17 last year. If you haven't heard the 75 analysts tell you that. (laughs) um but i do think that he's he's a big boy like when you watch him on tape i mean he's going to be a big guy he's able to break tackles do all those things he's raw though and i don't know necessarily like he's going to have to get better in terms of kind of his lateral agility and he's he is he he's young and he's going to be able to grow into that um but there's some things about his game that needs, needs to get better but i think raw potential i think through the roof for me what about you jeff
2: yeah i mean based on potential i've Based on his ceiling, I feel like he should be potentially Devi running back three. Is that out of the question? I, I mean, looking no. at the landscape and, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of pushback on like, well, don't home helmet scout. Are we watching the same player to say don't helmet scout that Wisconsin? Yes, Wisconsin turns out running backs. But are you... It's the opposite. Are you knocking him because of the helmet that he's wearing? It's wild. Like this kid, look how big he is for 17 years old. And he's got the speed. And yes, he's got things he needs to clean up. And we haven't seen involvement in the running game and in the passing game. The reality of is with Wisconsin, we aren't probably going to see involvement in the passing game. So that's going to sit as an open question. But, you know, he's a former DB, too, and DBs ha- do have some ball skills. So I think I wouldn't write off completely not having him in the passing game just because we're not going to see it in Wisconsin. But again, this is the size. He's got the speed package. It checks all the boxes and outside of if Jameer Gibbs wasn't sitting down in Alabama and, and, you know, the questions that we've got with Zach Evans, it feels like maybe Braylon Allen should be the Debbie running back three.
0: Yeah, uh, to me, his his running style is kind of a mixture of AJ Dillon, and Nick Chubb, uh, obviously a lesser version. He's not in the NFL, so he couldn't be as good as those two players. But I think I, I do see a little bit of Chubb where he just bounces off tackles. He's a, a, a I, I would say a patient runner. I think I, I don't know that I would go with patient as more so he will run into his blockers uh, right in in the back and then kind of wait there. That's fine for a 17 year old to be doing that in at one of the highest levels of, of college football in the Big Ten. I think he's gonna grow, like Jeff said. Um, I don't know about the lateral agility though. And and so that's where I think Nick I, I get more AJ Dillon than I get Nick Chubb because I don't think AJ Dillon has it, but I also don't think it matters a whole lot. You know, you look at what a thousand yard rusher can be in the NFL and I mean, this kid screams that.
1: Yeah, and, and to Jeff's point about the helmet scouting, I, I, I tweeted something about Brandon Allen, and someone's like, well, of course, it's Wisconsin and the offensive line. L- the offensive line was bad last year for Wisconsin. They actually rigged outside the top 40 in adjusted line yards. And so when you looked at that, Allen actually overcame a lot of things from that line. That line got better towards the end of the year, but they were not very good at the beginning of the year, and Allen kind of carried them. And he carried him with Graham Mertz, at quarterback. Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback. And so when we're thinking of kind of the, the concepts there, I don't think we're thinking of the Wisconsin teams from five years ago that just ran down your throat. Like, But even then, Johnson Taylor is what, dynasty running back one now? We have to remember this as we go through these guys. Like, yes, he plays for the same team. Uh, but I do want to see the lateral agility. I think that's the key. He's strong as shit. I mean, this kid is really strong. Like you're looking at what he's been able to do over the off season. We see him power playing and he had puts all the videos on social media. Like he is that good and he's got upside and you know, he's going to get produced. Like he's going to produce at Wisconsin. They're going to give him the ball over 200 carries at least this year. Um, so we're going to see that. I just, from an NFL perspective, and he doesn't, he, from a fantasy perspective, pass catching is kind of important, especially if you're playing in PPR leagues and those type of things. And I don't know if he has that, like, I think that's the area where I, I rank the next guy, Will Shipley, a little ahead of him just because of his pass-catching ability. Um, but I think it's these two guys are pretty much in their tier with themselves. Like Allen and Shipley, I feel like, are, are in there. So let's jump over to Shipley. 5'11", uh, 205, Last season, 149 attempts, 739 yards, 11 touchdowns. He had 16 receptions, 116 yards, and 7.3 yards of reception there for Clemson. Down Clemson year, but I, he still was able to kind of produce last year, and he's wearing gloves. Jeff loves his running backs that wear gloves. Um, so, Jeff, what do you think about this guy?
2: You mentioned it, you know, the ability in the passing game and really he was the lone bright spot on offense for Clemson last year. And so so you that Bears mentioned coming in as a freshman and, and coming in and earning the top, the depth chart, he kind of started out slower. Was he hurt to begin the year or was that? Um, that's what I thought. Yeah, he was injured to begin the year, and a then bit. able to overcome yeah. that and and lock and in. And so
1: was a dumbass, yeah, and he was starting. You know, all the uh, what's his face? Like, I can't remember his name anymore. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff.
2: I don't remember his
1: name either. Kobe Pace. Yeah, Kobe Pace. Kobe that Pace, was Christian's yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs>
2: No, but no, but you know Shipley shows the ability in the passing game, and and that's the biggest thing that you see. And then you see on film here his ability to get small, get upfield, and so those are things that you love to see, especially out of a freshman.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was getting Christian McCaffrey comps when he was a sophomore in high school, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, I mean, right. I feel like, exactly. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's why it was coming. But also, he does have a skill set that's pretty similar to what McCaffrey is, except I think he's a stronger. Runner, I think that between the tackles Shipley is good. He is really really good at manipulating the second level of a defense He's really really refined in setting up his blocks for a true freshman like Where Braylon Allen has the physical raw tools? I think Shipley has the actual skill and ability as a running back and he can develop He's got room on his frame to add five to ten pounds. I'd love to see him get there uh, but I think you're looking at a, a potential RB1 for fantasy. And, and so, you know, I do, I flip back and forth. I keep saying to myself every time I watch Shipley, I'm like, ah, I'm going to put him ahead of Braylon. Uh, but I do think that they're in the same tier. Very, very good running backs. I tweeted out before we started this episode that the 2024 class has the ability to be just as special as we think the 2023 class is going to be. And I think it starts with these three guys that we've talked about. And then after that, We've got a lot of wild cards, but that's kind of what every class is. I think these three are like the, for sure, those guys are going to get drafted really highly in the NFL.
1: Yeah. And, and to their point, I mean, to that point too, with Shipley, I think that, when you watch him run inside, he can do that. Like usually some of these guys, like, you know, these scat back guys that we talk about, like, Oh yeah. Swing passes, those type of things. He can go inside and, and he can break tackles. He can kind of run there. I think he's going to go off this year too. Cause I got to lean on him pretty heavily. I don't know if you guys watched that tape, but I, when I was watching that tape and I've been watching DJ, is very bad. Like I, there's no way DJU is going to win that job this year. Club Nick's got to win it because watching him and him throwing behind receiver after receiver, after receiver and running back, can't even throw up flat pass like these are things that like you notice about dj on tape but i'm just like god shipley's gonna benefit from basically having those other guys and a new set i mean it, kind of a new staff i know we, i know Dabo always promotes from within but maybe a new eyes kind of get him out in space using him a little bit better we're gonna see his usage go up so i think for us those are our tiers hey we got henderson we have Allen and shipley and then we, you know, when we look at the 24 class, it gets a little murkier after that. Uh, number four, we have Michigan guy Donovan Edwards, six foot 202. Uh, really didn't rush the ball too much last year 35 attempts, 174 yards, and three touchdowns, but did so some some things in the passing game 20 receptions 265 yards 13 yards average for reception and i think that's kind of where he set us apart i believe he had a game he had 10 receptions or 11 receptions whatever it was um and he did set himself apart there i like donovan it's just the the problem is is that he has blake quorum there they're going to do a run-heavy 50-50 like Hassan and, and Quorum did last year. It's going to be kind of the same thing. So it's going to be up to Edwards to vault himself over that, over Quorum and say, hey, I'm the guy in this offense like Hassan kind of did towards the end of the year last year. Um, but I, I I still think Donovan's undervalued right now. Like, you can get him in leagues, second or third round, and it's like, hey, if you can get him that late, I think that he could vault himself into this top three discussion. What do you think, Jeff?
2: My concern, my question who's going to be the power compliment if they're going to kind of have that offense that they had last year, because quorum and Edwards, they are, I think they're different players, but they're similar body types and, and they're similar stylistically Edwards is a more polished receiver and and potentially the most polished receiver in this entire class. And I think that that bears mention. we know, Coming out of school, I think he was what the RB four, so he's kind of sitting in that yeah. same range still. Um, but Corum is more of that uh, big play hitter compared to Edwards has a l- little bit more of the athleticism. But it does concern me that yeah, it feels like they're missing a compliment the way that the offense played last year. And, and maybe maybe they turn JJ McCarthy into that, and maybe they kind of use him that way, or I don't know what they're gonna do with that offense. But yeah, he's got the receiving skills that you love to see, and he's a very fine, refined receiver question on him is going to be the athleticism does he have the next level athleticism
0: yeah i think jeff makes a really good point i think we're looking at maybe tavier dunlap getting a, a bigger role this year and taking some of those power back carries but then what does that look like because i think it's worth noting that him and Corum play the same type of game and that uh, i actually think edwards is a better receiver i think he's the better running back overall I do have some questions about his contact balance. I don't, if, you, if you're watching the YouTube, if you watch all of those plays, he goes down on first contact almost every time. And as a runner, it's more prevalent. But uh, his his hands are that of a slot wide receiver. I mean, he goes up, he attacks the football like a wide receiver. And that's always really promising to see. And when we're talking about fantasy, you know, pass catching is, if you're playing in PPR, which most people do, or at least have PPR, you um, that's valuable. That is valuable. So I think that Edwards is going to find a role in the NFL. I'm worried about Harbaugh and what they're going to do with that running back room though. So, you know, that second or third round draft pick right now, it might feel a little rough after this year. Uh, But once quorum's gone after this year, I think you're going to see Edwards kind of really break out in 2023.
1: Yeah. I would argue that Edwards is the best receiver on the team like out of everybody, like even the wide receivers. and the, Cause like, when you look at the wide receivers, I know Roman Wilson's there, Ronnie Bell's coming back. Andrew Anthony, apparently some people really like him. But um, Cornelius Johnson are there, but like those guys don't pop off to me. I, in reality, I think in this offense, they're going to move Donovan Edwards to the slot a lot. So they're going to move him to the slot. They're going to have Corm in the backfield. They'll have Dunlap there as well in the backfield. And you're going to see kind of what you saw last year with Edwards in the slot, getting a lot of targets and catches. And that's the area that we're going to see. Um, and it, cause the offensive coordinators that they brought up, it's just the offensive line coach and the quarterback's coach. They're just doing a co, co- thing from last year. And, and the guys have already talked about it. it's literally the same offense as Gattis, just a little, just kind of little, you know, various, uh, variances things there. So I think that when you're looking at it, I think Edwards could play a little bit more receiver, but I do think that shows the versatility and the next year. He'll just go off. I think that's the, that would be the ideal ceiling play if you draft it all right jeff doesn't want to talk about michigan anymore he's 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 a hater all right so let's go to number five last one Um, raheem sanders arkansas 62 225 big boy uh last year 114 attempts 578 yards five touchdowns he also had 11 receptions 109 yards i have trouble with sanders i like sanders uh but he is not he's not very fast he's he's he can scoot laterally but he does not have that long speed that you'd like to see from a player. Um, I know Christian was watching a little bit, so we'll start off with Christian. Christian, what do you think of him?
0: Yeah, you you kind of hit it on the nose there. The, the lateral agility for a player his size is kind of rare. It, it, I mean, the way he's able to change directions is something that you don't really see out of 225-pound guys, but overall, I think that he is also a skilled running back. I think that he... Um, He's able to remain patient behind his blocks. I think he works in that scheme really, really well. I think that, you know, the long speed, I've talked about it. I think long speed often gets overrated, but he is pretty slow. I mean, like we talked about, I talked about Pat Garwell last uh, when we did the 2023 running backs, I think he's probably faster than Sanders at this point. Yeah. Sanders has some time though, and he's got a, a frame where if he needs to cut maybe five to 10 pounds to get a little faster, I think he could do it. Um, I, I don't think he should sacrifice a whole lot. He looks to me like an early down running back at this point, And maybe that's not as valuable for, for fantasy, but man, would I love my, my favorite team to have him if I'm an NFL fan.
2: It's like slow to Marco Murray. I kind of feel like like run style, body style. Um, but we know in that Arkansas scheme, they're going to be run heavy, and they're going to feature. You know, they they love to the line up behind um, Sam Pittman's offensive lineman, and you know KJ Jefferson has the liability at quarterback. And expect Sanders is going to get the ball a lot. I would expect this year, and kind of in that scheme, use him as the hammer, and then they they have a bunch of different. Um, faster quicker guys that they u- like to use on the pitch man on that and so that's kind of where i expect that we'll see his role settle this year um christian always hits it perfectly right on the scouting report and so i think that he did a great job there but um again yeah if he doesn't have that top end that opens up questions on is um, he translates to the nfl
1: I don't know what he is right now. Like, I don't, I think he's a late day two guy. Like if I had to put a value on him and like, and that worries me. Right. Cause they were talking about like fantasy wise and everything there. Um, and then when you're looking at that, when you look at his team, I mean, Dominique Johnson's there, but he's kind of the same runner. But then you have AJ Green, who's more that speed guy, and then even Javon Hunt, who I really like. Like so, you're gonna they're gonna be using these guys, and you did see his uses go down a little bit last year. Sanders did towards it; he got a little banged up uh, playing in the SEC. But if you can show that you can do an SEC this year and kind of do that, yeah, I think KJ hurts him a little bit. I don't know why everybody likes KJ. I'm not a big KJ Jefferson quarterback guy. He's not a quarterback; he's a running back playing quarterback. Um, but I, I I think that's gonna also kind of eat into his uses too because we saw Jefferson last year rush for like 800 yards, I believe, and six touchdowns. Um, I like Raheem. I just, I don't know where he's at right now. I I think it's pretty clear. Like I would take Donovan way over Raheem um, in terms of like, I think my upside NFL wise, I'd rather have Edwards on my roster than Sanders. All right. We have anybody else that we want to talk about? Christian, do you want to mention anybody in this, this area that we haven't talked about? We have a couple of minutes.
0: I think it would be smart to leave some of these guys for later. Um, Okay. I don't, let me, let me just take a little peek. Okay. You, we're going to talk about this player. So we can just, when we hit on the the games later, I think we'll hit on enough guys. So. All right. Jeff, Jeff's ready to move on. He's,
1: he's glaring at me. All right. We're going to go to games. Uh, Jeff's going to read us something so we can maybe make some money and we will go from there.
2: Yeah. Or do you have a fantasy league? Do you need to, a trophy for your fantasy league or maybe a belt for your fantasy league? check out trophy smack and use code the devy Royale and any purchase gets you a free ring. So make sure to go to trophy smack. They can customize whatever you need for your league trophy smack.com code, the devy
0: Royale. And while we're at it, we, uh, we should mention our, our friends over at all 22 as well. Uh, we are still offering our, our 40% off. If you use our promo code, TDR 22, all 22 incorporates, real football and fantasy football and kind of intertwines them it's very very cool we have a draft coming up here very very soon uh for the first league that we put together i'm not prepared for it just yet but uh we can help you get prepared for it uh, so check that out all all-22.com and then promo code tdr22 let's get into the sportsbook rundown it's the it's sports the sportsbook book rundown, rundown. Uh, last week, Kevin won three to two. Jeff and I both went two and three. So Kevin is on a two win streak right. uh, for the Sportsbook Rundown, which I think is the first time since like. 2021 i feel like so uh <laughs> this week we are uh we're gonna pick some wimbledon matches like we did last week sports are in a rough spot right now so just bear with us uh-huh. you know how it goes in the summer uh but we're very close to college football so first one that we're gonna pick is rafael nadal versus taylor harry fritz uh the surprise entry into the semifinals quarterfinals i don't know where we're at we're semi-finals i believe so um kevin who are you taking here
1: I haven't watched tennis in years. Um, I'm going to go Nadal, just because I know Nadal.
0: Nadal's good, right? Yeah. 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 I'll go with
2: Nadal as well.
0: Man, I don't want to jinx him, because I think Rafa is the GOAT tennis player, uh, but I'm going to take him, because I think he's going to win, and just keep making me look good I'm on that take. I want him to be Djokovic. But, uh, next one, we have Christian Guerin versus uh, Nick Kyrgios. Uh, Kevin, who are you taking here?
1: I will take, um, I don't know, Christian, I guess, just for you. Sweet.
2: I'll so, take Nick, just to be different.
0: <laughs> you don't want to say his last name. I don't even think I'm saying it right. I think it's Curios. Curios. Uh, I don't it, know. There's a G, right? Yeah. Yeah. I it's a weird name. A G is silent?
1: A when has the G ever been silent? I need Grammarly to tell me
0: lasagna uh (laughs) Um, uh, i'm taking curious he's one of the most talented tennis players of all time Uh, he's just a hothead and he doesn't want to be good but i think he wants to be good this time around so uh all right Uh, i don't want to do this uh major league baseball detroit tigers versus the guardians and this is the game on wednesday of this week kevin who you taking i'll take the Tigers. Jeff? Tigers. I'm going to take the Tigers too. Because <laughs> I would love to jinx the Tigers at this point. Uh, they just routed the Guardians. Well, I think the game's still on, but whatever. Uh, then Giants versus Diamondbacks. What'd you say?
2: It's, they're starting to play a little bit better
0: baseball. They are. They're hitting the crap out of the ball. Uh, Giants versus Diamondbacks. Also on Wednesday. Kevin Heat taken.
2: I'll take the Giants. Okay. Jeff? Diamondbacks
0: okay i'll take the diamondbacks that sounds good um okay what player ends scott fish scott fishbowl 12 day one 101 in adp the options josh allen jonathan taylor patrick Mahomes, or we'll just go or other because i think limiting our, our choices here makes some sense uh kevin who do you think ends up the 101 in, in sfb 12 well, it'll be Allen in
1: everybody's league but Jeff's.
2: I don't have the one on one.
1: That's
0: true. Uh Jeff, who who do you think it'll be?
2: I'm just gonna say Jonathan Taylor just to be different, even though it's gonna be no, I'm gonna say Josh Allen. It's gonna be Josh Allen. I'm not going against my guy Josh Allen. <laughs> I was really struggling to put stuff together and we're gonna have a tie and it is what it is, but that's where I went.
1: You did a whole thing there, like arguing <sighs> with yourself there. So. You did.
0: I think we forget that, um, you know, Scott Fishbowl is made up of a lot of industry folks, but it's also a lot of just fans of, of football and fantasy football. And I think that Patrick Mahomes is a sneaky pick here. I think that uh, he could end up the consensus 101. I think the scoring kind of lends itself kind of to him. He's not getting the, the first down bonuses as much as Josh Allen, but I'll uh, go Patrick Mahomes. Screw it. And that will do it for the Sportsbook on that Prospect, prospect poker. poker. All right,
1: let's uh, go over to some Prospect Poker. So we're going to play some poker. Rules of the game are pretty simple. We're going to toss three cards. Remember, we're going to play poker. But why we do that? We're going to talk about some uh, some of those other running backs that we did mention. Uh, we're going to start with some biggest risers of the twenty four class and some fallers that we think you guys should be aware of and should kind of step away from. So Christian, why don't you give us your riser?
0: Yeah, first riser or first player I wanted to talk about was Montrell Johnson. So Uh, He is actually, I believe, my RB5 in the 2024 class. He's a transfer from Louisiana to Florida to follow his former head coach. And it looks like he's going to start for Florida this year. He's a big guy. He's got patience. He's got NFL size. Uh, There's a lot to like with Montreal's game. So I I think he's going to start to rise up some boards. All right. So we started out with an eight of spades, a queen of spades, and an ace of
2: diamonds. Christian has a seven of hearts. So my choice is Evan Pryor from Ohio state. And of course I'm going with an Ohio state guy, but Evan Pryor deserves mention. Evan Pryor was a good recruit coming out. He's completely reshaped his body and and the coaches have just raved about him all spring long. He was a star in the spring game. And yes, the the opportunity it's questionable what's going to be there outside of Travion Henderson, but they've made a point that they are going to get Evan Pryor involved. And I think you're going to see him closing out a lot of games and um, he's, this guy is talented and he deserves mention. He's going to fly under the radar, but he's got the the type of game that will translate well to the NFL in PPR format, because I think he's going to be a very good receiver out of the backfield. And I've got a nine of hearts.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take uh Byron car, Cardwell, excuse me, at, at Oregon. I think that he's going to win that job. And I think he has, I think the spring really showed him that he could be that. And I think, I think he could be that running back in that offense that they're going to run. Um, car um Dan, you know, landing up there I think he could be really good you know he kind of came on towards the end last year he was a four star recruit coming out and he just kind of sat behind Verdell and these other guys over there but he had 417 yards last year and three touchdowns um, he didn't really do anything in receiving work so we have to see that but I think that he's a guy to keep an eye on especially in this class a six
2: of diamonds so we got nothing
0: all right uh, the guy I think is going to fall a little bit is LJ Johnson the Texas a m kid <sighs> I actually liked LJ Johnson's high school film. And that's really all we've seen from him, unfortunately. He didn't really get on the field last year. Um, and so where I think I'm a little nervous is A-Chain's gonna be the starter, and there are reports that Anayas Smith is actually gonna move into the backfield and and be kind of part of that tandem. And the reports are not good on what LJ has been. The coaches tend to still feel that he's a talented player, but I think ultimately with where he's been drafted, he, it's inevitable that he's going to fall a little bit just sitting behind a chain.
2: Hey, Christian's got a four of hearts. So my choice, uh Kamar Wheaton. So Kamar Wheaton was a five-star prospect, went to Alabama, um, Don't exactly know what happened to Alabama, but now he's at SMU and he might not even be the starting running back for SMU because Jalen Spriggs is back and and he was the starter last year. So Kamar Wheaton falling down from a five star recruit in this class and and viewed as going to be the next guy and ending up as maybe not even the starter at SMU um, has to be a knock on his stock. And where is it going to end up? And I've got a two of diamonds.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My guy is Alton McCaskill from Houston. I think non-power five guy, not top speed. We've seen this before. Like he's going to score touchdowns and he did last year. Uh, He had 16 rushing touchdowns last year. So everybody loves him in college fantasy and C2C. Uh, I just don't see an NFL upside with him right now. I just, I I don't do it. I don't put my, my, my chips in that basket. Um, So I'm going to stay away from him.
2: A seven of diamonds.
1: So Christian went with a nine. No,
0: I have Jeff won I won with oh. a nine
2: <laughs> Nine high
0: That's nice. disgusting uh, On McCaskill too Didn't he tear his ACL? He did Is that correct? Yeah Yeah Okay So yeah He's toast Sorry um, You hate to see it okay. Hopefully he can bounce back. But
2: now next up and the penultimate, uh, we are going to play a little bit of blackjack. The way we play blackjack is we play blackjack with trivia. You get a trivia question, get the answer right, you get a beneficial outcome, get the answer wrong, and you get a bad outcome. So Christian starts us off with a 16. Kevin is sitting on a 12, and I'm going to flip up a 17. So that puts Kevin up first.
0: It would be awesome if I had a a question for
2: him you know i don't either so me kevin do you have a question that you would like to ask me or christian
1: um yeah i do i do i do i do what uh jeff you're you're around for this one what was the new york jets original name
2: the titans the new york titans
1: holy shit you knew that yeah he's old congratulations i'm proud of you (laughs) And, oh, and you got 21. <laughs> good for wow. you. How did you know that?
2: I just know things. That's good. I don't know. I just don't, it's I don't the know. How I knew that.
1: It's the OCD. It's <laughs> OCD. Yeah. Didn't know that. Nice. That, that's a that's a great job, Jeff. I'm proud of you.
0: Well, Jeff. All right. Went. Yeah, Jeff won. Technically, you could still tie though, right? So, you could still oh, yeah. tie. So, I'll ask I'll ask the question. So, of of the guy, it's to you, Kevin. Uh of the guys that we talked about today, who led in yards after contact per attempt. We only talked about like 10 guys. So I'm just going to go Brandon Allen. Yeah, that is correct. He <laughs> averaged 4.48 yards after contact per attempt. He was just ahead of Travion Henderson.
2: And Kevin got a 21.
0: I did. All right. So we, tied. so, so, we tied. All right.
2: so I think Kevin won the last show. So, I think Kevin is I mean, continues to be the winner.
0: Yep, he sure is. Hang on, let's get them all. Let's get them all set up.
1: All right. So uh, b- biggest thing I will say about this class and when you're looking at the 24 class and Christian kind of alluded to this earlier, I think this 24 class is just as good as the 23 class. Like it's it's got it's got some high top guys there that I think that when you're looking at value picks, don't just throw those 24 picks in for just, you know, those first round. I see it all the time. There's trades in Dynasty of like just throwing the 24, 24 first in and then now it's going to be looking like, hey, that could be Travion. Or if we're talking about wide receivers, you know, we, we're going to get to that next week. Uh, but I do think that the 24 class wide receivers Going to be a lot better next year, a uh, lot better after this year. Marvin Harrison, Xavier Worthy, uh, Jacory Brooks, Emeka Buka. So there's some guys there that we're thinking of like, hey, can they take that next step? So don't just throw those 24s away. Think about it, especially this class is pretty deep. We talked about the quarterback class, we looked at the running back class. Like, don't just throw those in right now because you're bored in July and there's no sports on and you're just like, I'm going to make a trade and then I'm going to lose those guys. So be careful with your draft picks. Stop orphaning teams out there, everybody. All right. We will be back next week on July 12th, 930 Eastern. As always, talking about 24 wide receivers and probably three new teams that left to go to the Big 12. I'm Kevin Coleman at Dubois underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at
0: For Whom J. Bell Tolls. And I'm Christian Williams at C. Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale.
1: Thank you for listening to the Debbie Royale. Follow us on Twitter at the Debbie Royale. If you haven't already, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Royale Tune in on YouTube every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until then, this has been The Devi Royale.